Let's pray and we'll get, we'll get in it. Dear God, we thank you so much. We come here from all different kinds of places and dealing with all different kinds of things. And man, some of us are weighed down heavy by life. All of us need more of you. And so we gather together and we just admit this morning that we are not gods of our own lives. We don't need me. We just need more of you. I pray you do your thing in our hearts and our minds and our souls this morning, that your spirit would move in this room, that you would move in our hearts, that you would accomplish what you want to accomplish in us. And we just say we're willing. We're willing to listen for your voice, to not just hear it, but to do what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. We're, we're going to look in this message in our series called Happy Is. We've been looking at what true happiness is. What, what the Bible's definition of happiness is. It's not some moment in time. It's not some destination you get to. When you start saying, when I do this, or when I exchange this person for that person, or when I get to this level, I'm gonna be happy. That's not it. I mean, you'll be happy for a short period of time, but that period of time will be as fleeting as the Eagles' Super Bowl win. You can go watch... You can go watch the replay of the Philly Philly over and over again, but that happiness, it'll be just as elusive. Uh, happiness isn't a moment. It's not a place. It's bigger than that, at least true happiness. And what God has for you is more than just a fleeting feeling of well-being or happiness. What he has for you is joy and a happiness that is deep and real that you can experience no matter what's going on on the surface of life. That's what we've been digging into and that's what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks and I wanna just narrow it in because in the middle of this series we've even looked at a kind of a, this last couple, the last three weeks of me speaking have been a, even a, a smaller sub-series almost, okay? But if I want to really experience the blessing of God and the happiness he has for me, then how should we live? And if you remember in this little subset of messages within this broader series, the first one was live light. So this is how we experience true happiness. It's impossible if we haven't given our hearts to Jesus and been forgiven and made into a right relationship with him. And that's not about religion. It's not about checking off a card so that one day the good outweighs the bad. It's not about that. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all need a restored relationship with God, which comes through faith by grace in what Jesus has done for us. You can't experience happiness without a right relationship with God, and he offers it to you for free. I know, right? You're like, nothing's for free. It's for free. It's for free, for free. Then the, then the following one, we jumped into, okay, so then like we talked about character. Like, blessed are those who always do what is right. We talked about that passage. That was a tough one last week. Like seven key principles for how we ought to live. And we talked about character and we talked about um, all those things that I forget already. <laughs> But I know you remembered them because you guys look so engaged. I remember them too, but my brain is full with this message right now. And today, that, was, that message was super creatively titled Part B. <laughs> so let's call this Part 3. Part B, Part 3, it rhymes. Scott's going to hate it when he has to put it on the website. But, uh, or you could call this Follow. I want to I look at a passage in Psalm 119. People often ask me, so how do I follow Jesus? I'm not sure. Well, good news, right? Like, I got 
five things in this message that I think help us know exactly how to follow Jesus. So I want to get practical. I want to, like, if you have this kind of question, I want to get into real help uh, to really help you kind of like peel back. Um, okay, so character's great. I get I need it. But how do I follow Jesus? I, I get it's important that what, what I do doesn't define me, but it affects me. How do I do what's right then? How do I follow? In Psalm 119, it says this. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. That's that part one, live light, we talked about. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their heart. Everybody's following somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody's following somebody. Make sure you have a breath mint in before you do that. Nobody likes coffee breath. Everybody is following somebody. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their heart. That's called following. I'll go on. I want to read down the whole first section of this psalm, which is a poem, by the way. I should have wrapped it. No, I shouldn't have. That would have been a terrible decision. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Right there, he's like, I want to, but I don't always. So, so don't feel bad, like the psalmist is in the same boat. I want to, but I don't always. Oh, I wish I would always follow your ways, but I don't always. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart. As I learn your righteous laws, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Happy are those who are following Jesus. Blessed. Everyone's following somebody or something. You ever see these trends that go around on social media? Probably not, because you're not as with it as I am. I'm pretty with it. I'm pretty with it. And, and I'm paying attention to like some of the trends that are going around on social media. And one of the trends that's going around on social media, especially on Instagram, TikTok, is this one-day following trend. Have you seen this? It'll be somebody who's really into something, like maybe the TV show Yellowstone. It'll be a guy like showing what he looks like one day watching something. So he'd be like, one day watching Yellowstone. I've never seen it, but I heard it's a very popular show, right? Like one day watching Yellowstone. You come home and like you're putting on old work boots and jeans and you're trying to find a belt buckle that maybe fits you back in that one weird part of your life where you thought John Deere tractors were it. And, uh, you know, like one day watching Yellowstone, right? Like you got the, the jeans are a little too tight and uh, the old boots and a little dirty and you walk in the house and you're like, hey, what's going on? One week into watching Yellowstone, you're throwing on jean jackets and no, this is not because I watch Yellowstone. It's because I still think jean jackets bring it and I don't care what you say about it. But like one week into watching Yellowstone, like you got it, you got a jean jackets on, you upgraded to some cowboy boots you bought off of a Facebook marketplace or something like that. You got a little dirt on your jeans because you want to make it look like you're a real rancher. <laughs> and uh, one month into watching Yellowstone, you're talking with like some southern twang, even though you're from Shenandoah. You know? 
You're going to a restaurant, making sure everybody notices that you ordered sweet tea. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you came up with a cowboy hat. You know, like Law and Order is taking off. Like one, one day into watching Law and Order, like you're looking for crime scenes all around and you're suspicious of everybody that talks to you. One month into watching Yellowstone, you're ending conversation, or one month into watching Law and Order, you're yelling, ending conversations by going, dun dun, right? Like, Duck Dynasty, anybody into Duck Dynasty back in the day? Like, one day into watching Duck Dynasty, like you're walking around and you're calling people Willie and making fun of an uncle, right? Like, one week into watching Duck Dynasty, you're cutting sleeves off your flannel shirts and growing a beard. (laughs) Like, one month into watching Duck Dynasty, people are going, what's that necklace? Oh, it's my duck call. Oh, you duck hunt? No, I just think it's cool. You know, like, (laughs) you you ever notice how that, like, you can tell what somebody's following by like what you see in their life. Maybe the fruit. We all follow stuff. I think in many ways we, uh, we follow because it's part of how we were designed to live. You know, like in relationship with God, like we weren't created to be gods. We were created to fellowship and be in relationship and follow God. I think when we drift from who we're supposed to be following, who we were designed to be following, the vacuum of our lives will pick up and start following other things. <laughs> we can get so latched on to following what some news organization is feeding us. We can get so wrapped into following what the cool kid in school is doing. We want to be just like that, you know? We can get so wrapped up in the vacuum that God is supposed to fill to help us live life the best way it was designed for us to live in the, in the vacuum when we're not following what we were designed to follow. Everything will fill that space. And you know how you can tell? You can tell by what you consume. Like that'll give you some, some hints as to who you're following, What are you spending most of your days consuming? Who are you listening to the most? Who's feeding you? What's dictating to what in your life? And I gotta tell you, like, if if news is dictating to my life, I'm not following what I should be following. If, If people are dictating to me how I should live, I'm probably not following what I should be following. If culture is dictating to me how I should live and sound and what I should do, then I'm probably not following who I should be following. You see, there's this void, this vacuum that comes when we are not following who we were designed to follow. A couple weeks ago, I asked you, like, is God good? Is God good? If God is good, then Following what he says for us is also good for us. Who are you following? Your life. What's dictating to you how you should think or feel? What's the filter? I know sometimes at 11 o'clock I don't have the filter I want to have. But like what's, what's the filter that you are putting everything through? How you speak and what you say and how you treat others and what, what are your opinions subject to? You? <laughs> Who are you following? Uh, we're all designed, life was designed to experience the most and the best out of it. We were designed to follow God.
and in the vacuum when we're not. All sorts of things can get in there and wreak havoc, not just in our, in our lives, but in the relationships we have around us. Who are you following? You can always tell. Matthew 7 and verse 15 through 20, Jesus is talking about false teachers and the Pharisees who were leading people astray. You know, there's no shortage of people that want to tell you what to think or what to feel or what to believe or what to do. They're all around. You probably told somebody what to think or feel or do on the way over here this morning. How'd that work out for you? Jesus in um, Matthew chapter 7 he says this in verse 16. Now he's talking about false prophets, but this is true about all of us too. And Galatians chapter five proves that this is true about all of us too. It says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Some of y'all have been trying to grab hands of grapes from thorn bushes. How ridiculous is that? You keep wondering why you get stuck. <laughs> why you're getting all scraped up and bloody. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Everybody knows figs are terrible. And everybody also knows that figs don't come from thistles. I think they come from trees. Likewise, listen to this, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You can tell who you're following, because you can see it. We don't need some social media video showing your, your wardrobe change because you got caught up into some TV show to know how or who or what you're following. It comes out in the fruit of our life. And what Galatians would also add to this this truth about how you can tell who somebody is following by the fruit of their life. Galatians says that when you're following God, the fruit look like love, joy, peace, happiness, self-control. Good things is what the fruit looks like. Who have you been following? The fruit of your life, what would it say has been filling the vacuum when you're not following God? I know that's a tough question and I got I also know that so many of you, right, like want to follow Jesus, but it gets confusing. How do you follow Jesus? I pulled five things out, kind of inspired by the psalm that I thought, I, I get asked the question a lot. How, okay, so this is great. I love Sunday mornings, but how, what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? It feels like an abstract thing. How do I actually follow Jesus? I got five things that I think will really help Listen, this may not be a flashy sermon, but these simple truths, I think, help anybody know how to follow Jesus more. You're not supposed to be following me. You're not supposed to be following some brand. You're not supposed to be following a church. You're not supposed to be following a person. We're supposed to be following Jesus. And here are five simple ways, I think, that'll help you follow him more in your life. You want true happiness, true happiness. This is the path it's found on. You ready? Ready? Somebody, one person's ready. <laughs> it's okay if you're all on the struggle bus this morning. I'm not. No, just kidding. I, <laughs> first, pay attention to the guide. You should, somebody needs to write that down. We follow who we pay attention to. Pay attention to the real guide. In John 10, verse 3 and 4, Jesus says, the gatekeeper opens the gate. He's talking about himself. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. 
He calls his own sheep by name. Is that encouraging to you this morning? That God knows your name? When he talks to you, it's not like, hey, bro, because he forgot. (laughs) What's up, guy? (laughs) He knows your name. He calls you by name and he leads you out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Pay attention to the guide and listen to his voice. Now I have to clear something up. I have never in my life heard the audible voice of God speak into my ear to tell me to do something or say something. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying you're not broken if he doesn't. Like, I, I don't know. It's never happened to me, but that's okay. You know why it's okay? It's because I have the complete and full voice of God spoken to me in his word. I don't need him to audibly talk to me because I have this and I have his spirit, which he has given to me. The moment I have placed my faith in him, he has given it to you. The moment you have placed your faith in him, he gives his spirit to indwell in us, to guide us, to help us, to teach us, to make the hard to understand understandable, to lean on us when we're not going in a direction we should go on to. I know maybe God speaks to some people audibly out there. I would never say that God can't do anything because he's God and I'm not. But I know that when he speaks to us, it always lines up with this and he always affirms it in the voices of his other Children who are following me, him, following him, right? Like God still speaks. But if you're waiting to hear some voice, here's my God voice, ready? Like, no, I'm not gonna. I wanted to, I'm not gonna. It was right there, about to come out, and you looked at me funny. And when a drummer looks at you funny, you shut down a little bit. If you're waiting to hear God's voice come out of some cloud somewhere and give you some, we love our signs, right? Like everybody wants a sign. Man, this is a, a whole bunch of pages. I don't need to search for God's voice because it's here. And when I'm, when I'm in this and I'm listening to it, I can, I can hear his voice. It's different than my own voice. It's, it's not audible, but he's speaking to me through his spirit working in me to help me understand what he's saying. I don't, I just wanted to clear that up because I don't know if you're waiting to hear the actual voice of God, but I I know a whole lot of real faithful people that will never hear that until they get to heaven. But that does not mean that he's not speaking to us. My prayer is that as the Holy Spirit kind of leans on your heart, that he does what I know is true of God, that he makes this come alive. And you feel that tug about when you know there's something that needs some fixing. You feel the stir in those moments where you're like, "Ah, I need to say sorry to that person. You can, he speaks to us through his word still 
And God still speaks, and, and he's not limited by our understanding of how he speaks or what he wants to do. And I mean, but I want you to know that the first part of following Jesus is listening for him. And you don't need some super spiritual power to do that. You just need this and a willingness to set yourself aside a little bit and let this speak into your life. Here's number two. Be like Jesus. Everything from the 90s is coming back except the WWJD bracelets. <laughs> you remember those things? Talk about beating a bracelet to death. So overplayed and overworn, and I wanna know how many people wore those bracelets while doing exactly the opposite <laughs> of what Jesus would do in some circumstances. But, but the underlying truth of what like, kind of started that trend in the 90s was true. Like, I, I had a counselor tell me, like, just forget trying to be like Jesus, that's too hard. But just because I could never be exactly like Jesus because he's the son of God doesn't mean that that's not the goal we should strive to. In fact, scripture lays this heavy stuff on us. You're not gonna be happy about this. But it says, be perfect as I am perfect. I can't do that, right? But the goal set before us is to be like and to live like Jesus. Let me read this verse to you. You should write this one down. 1 John 2, 6 says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. I want to say stuff right now just to make that seem easier, but the reality is I'm never going to be like Jesus, but I should try to be like, live like him. Here lies, here lies where all the joy, where the rubber meets the road, where the happiness hits the practical circumstances of your relationships and your life. Married men, you want to experience this happiness and this blessing in your marriage? Try treating your bride the way Christ loves the church. You see how this like, it's a, oh man, I can never do that. But the more I try to love unconditionally, the more I try to be selfless and lift them up, the more I set my needs aside and make their needs a priority, the more I experience the happiness God has for me in that relationship. You know what I'm saying? I'm never gonna be a, as good a husband as Jesus. <laughs> but that's a good goal for me to strive towards and think about. And if we just started treating people that we love, try that. Start with just treating people that we love more like Jesus treats us. You want, you want to step it up a level, try treating the enemies, the people that are different than you, the people that are harder to love, the people who believe different things, who think different things. When you start to live like Jesus practically in life and apply how he would live and what he instructs us to do to any and all circumstances and relationships, you're set free from the flesh that wants to get in there and starts to tear things apart Destroy your relationships, drag you down, frustrate you, anger you, add dysfunction to life. You're set free from that and you're on a different path, loving like Jesus loves. And when you love like Jesus loves, it'll never fail you. Be like Jesus. 
Don't be like Josh, even though I dress cool. That's not a joke. Why are you laughing? You're all laughing. Don't be like some talking head. Don't be like your favorite news station or politician. Don't be like your favorite athlete. Don't try to be like that kid so popular at school. You know, they're struggling just as much as everybody else. Don't try to be like somebody you build this image up in your head. Don't try to be like your favorite Christian author. Skip all the middlemen that are gonna fail you. And just try to be like Jesus. One, listen for his voice. Two, be like him. Three, filter through him. Test it. First Thessalonians 5, 21, Paul was telling them to test what he was saying. He was telling the church to, to test it all that they had heard. And he says this, test them all and hold on to what is good. He's talking about prophecies that they were giving out in church. The prophecies, people were speaking uh, prophetic things about what God was saying to them in the church at that time. And he's saying like, listen, maybe not all of it is actually from God. You gotta test it. He will always affirm what he is saying to you. It'll always line up with what scripture says to you. If it doesn't, if it's just like, oh, I felt like God told me to do this, that's not good enough. I love it. But if it doesn't line up with this, if it's not affirmed by his church, other believers who are following Jesus too, it might not be from God. It might be from the pizza you had last night. It might be from your feelings. It might be from your past. It might even be from the enemy. Like, God speaks to us, and what we need to do is filter what we're hearing through his word, filter the direction we're feeling from him through his word. What's influencing what? We should take our opinion. Here's, here's the thing about this filter thing. It's the idea of yielding or submitting. I know nobody likes the word submitting because we have this like, idea that submitting means that we have to let somebody walk all over us. It means that submitting means that we have to like just get down on the ground and grovel, and people are going to stomp on us and just have their way and we're not we're just kind of like gonna flop around there and be be the victim of what everybody else wants to do that's not what this idea of submitting means it's, it's more like yielding it's like you know when you're going down a 183 and you're jumping on the ramp to get on 222 you're taking your life in your hands a little bit like you gotta yield you don't just go all the time you don't just like I hope it works out, baby. It feels good. Feels good. Stupid way to live. And you also don't slam on the brakes. Oh, feels bad. Feels bad. You will get flipped off by 400 people once you finally get onto the side of the road and they're all buzzing by you trying to get wherever they're going to get. Right? The idea of yielding is submitting. It's saying, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test it. Is this what you want, God? I, I, I like this opinion. It sounds so invigorating. I want to get all pumped up and tell everybody about it. But is this line up with your word? I'm so angry. I need to know how to. I want to do this. I want to say this to that person. But is that what you would say? Is that how you would have me live? Is this is the kind of husband you want me to be? The kind of wife you would have me be? Is this how a friend 
that's following Jesus would act? It's about yielding. And sometimes God says go. His, in his permissive will, sometimes it's yes and yes. Well, I don't know which one to do. Maybe in his permissive will, he's saying yes to whatever you want, but I got to yield to him to know if it's from him. Filter everything through him. Don't filter your thoughts and opinions and actions through anything else but him. Do I need to get into it? If you're filtering it through some policy or agenda, it's foolish. I need to filter it through something bigger than a person, something bigger than myself. I need to filter it through Jesus. You have to add some pause in your life, though, for that. You have to make it a habit. You have to stop hitting the gas pedal whenever you want or stop slamming on the brakes whenever you want. And you have to build into your life a practice of seeking him and asking and searching to see if it lines up with what God has for you. Number four, you ready? Walk in your giftedness. It's 1 Corinthians 12, we don't have time to get into it. Just read the whole chapter on your own. Here's what you gotta know. Like if you are a person who has given your life to Christ, he has given you his Holy Spirit and he has given you a gift to use for the building up of others, for the building of his kingdom, for his glory, a gift to edify the people around you, to help them be encouraged in their own walk. Our gifts all look different. He's given us each different gifts, but what you can't say if you are a child of God is that I don't have a gift. He's given you gifts, and my old man used to say, what people miss out on when they don't use the gifts God's given them is joy. Joy. You don't miss out on an easier schedule. You don't miss out on a lighter life. You don't miss out on catching up your TV show. You can stream that garbage whenever you want to anyway, right? Like you don't miss out on getting to do your own thing. What you miss out on is joy. You show up at 9, 10 one Sunday and wander into this this auditorium where all the people that are volunteering for the whole day gather to be encouraged and to pray for you and everybody else. It's a big group. It's a surprisingly big group. And you ask them. You just pretend you're, you're serving or you're using your gifts. Ask any of them what they, what, they, what they love about serving. It's the joy that you have doing it together. Our gifts are something we gotta use. That's how you steward them. You don't bury them. You don't put them away. You use them for God's kingdom. You don't wait for a church to call your name or ask you to raise your hand. Your gift is a God-given gift. It's not a church-given gift. It's a gift given to benefit the church, to build the church, but not just the church in these walls, the entire church, the real church of Jesus, right? It's a, it's a gift given. Don't wait for somebody to tap you. Don't wait for somebody to ask you to do it. Just start using your gifts, and what you will experience is the joy of knowing that God has given you a purpose and is using you to make a difference for him. It's so special when you start walking in it. And there's a lot of times I get down from the stage after using one of my gifts, and I think that was terrible. <laughs> but it doesn't take long for God to get, past, get me past myself and help me to realize that it wasn't really about laying in a killer sermon or not. 
that all I really was called to do was honor him by using what he's given me. So you know what? Sometimes the sermons do stink really bad, but it doesn't matter because I'm using my gift for God. And even if I bomb a sermon, he will always use my gift for his glory. You use your gift, and even if you bomb it, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter if you're 99 or 11, you start using your gift for him, and even when you bomb it or mess it up, he will use it for his glory. And the result, will you'll experience that sweetness of joy from him. Here's the last one, because the countdown clock is cruising, and the worship team's like, will you get off the stage already? They're not like that. They're always like, stay up there as long as you want. <laughs> but I know that doesn't fly either. <laughs> the last one, we're almost done. Use the helper. Use the helper. John 14, 26, you can't do any, you can't follow by yourself. It's not something that's possible. John 14, 26, Jesus is get, preparing the disciples for the cross and what's gonna happen. They don't get it. They don't get it. Just like I wouldn't have gotten it, hard-headed and, and sucked into their own circumstances and distracted and all the things we are. But Jesus is, is telling them that he's going away and that he, he's providing for them even in his own absence. And in John chapter 14, 26, he says, By, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the helper, Scripture calls the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Spirit of God dwelling in you through faith. He's the helper. He's the counselor. He will guide you you don't have to do this alone because you have the Spirit of God if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ moving in you, pricking your heart, comforting, encouraging you. It's his closeness to you, helping you know how to follow Jesus more. Lean into it. You know, my, one of my kids had this habit in, when we were shopping. Most of the time when we're shopping, I'm not paying attention, but when we're like I'm, all I'm thinking about when we're wandering through home goods is how to say what my wife wants me to say. <laughs> so, does this look good? Yeah, it looks good. Was that what I was supposed to say? <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. Um, you, you but, but one thing I did notice wandering around, I'm not very helpful. I'm not as helpful as I should be in the shopping game. But one thing I did notice was like we had this one child, right? Like I have a couple kids and I'm, I'm just I'm gonna leave names out of it or whatever because they're not your business, they're my business, right? But like, um, so uh, I had this, we would shop and we raised, it wasn't like the Wild West in Cresona, right? Like when you just, kids, when I grew up in Cresona, your parents would hand you a BB gun and uh, half a sandwich and they'd kick you out the door and be like, good luck, you know, see you at dinner, maybe, if you make it. That's why it turned out so tough. We don't raise kids like that, like that anymore, right? Like, so we, we, we parent our kids, and, you know, when we're close, you gotta, you're shopping in stores and around. There's some weirdos out there. Is that okay for me to say? I don't even know if that's okay for me to say. You know, just like stranger danger and be careful and stuff. And, 
to be, be aware of your surroundings, just pay attention to everything that's going on. Good things to teach kids, right? Just be a, an observer and, and pay attention. And I noticed that my kids would bring us out as they felt comfortable, but then they would get close every time they felt uncomfortable or something strange would happen or they would just be thrown off a little bit. They'd kind of come back closer to them, to, to their parents, especially to mom probably because I wasn't paying enough attention, right? Like it is, it would, and one of my kids would, like do, would get so close that, that that kid would flat tire Jen. Do you know what flat tire is? Like come, all the junior high boys were like, I remember it's when you step on the back of somebody's shoe, right? Like and you flat tire them and then all of a sudden they step out of their sandal or shoe or trip or whatever. And I don't know why junior high boys think that's so cool. Don't be a bully, just don't flat tire people, right? But like, she would get, the kid would get so close to my wife that Jen would be like, will you just not stand on me? You're standing on my literal shoes. Like a little, little, little bit of space. Flat tire Jesus. You follow him. If you follow him, spoiler alert, not everything is still gonna be clear all the time. There's still going to be uncertain circumstances you walk through, difficult situations you end up in. It's still going to be confusing sometimes. You're going to try to follow him as best you can. And you're going to be like, I still don't know what to do. Is this right or is this right? Or are both right or are both wrong? I'm confused. I don't know what he's telling me to do. I don't know what, what, what to, what's going to happen. Life will throw you some uncertain circumstances. And those circumstances will sow in you confusion sometimes. And, and they'll, they'll mess with you. And here Here's my last piece of advice to you. When you are uncertain, when you are fearful, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what direction he's given you, when you're not sure what decision to make, when you're not sure what to say or how you should live in those moments of uncertainty, flat tire Jesus. When you don't know what to do, just get as close as you can to him. Get so close that you're stepping on those Birkenstocks. Get so close that everything else in life fades a little bit. Get so close, just push, push in, push in, and get so close that you flat tire Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you don't just ship us out the door with a BB gun saying good luck. Instead, you've given us your word which is right and true. You've given us your spirit to help us understand your word. You've given us your church to help affirm it in our lives. Following seems abstract. So would you help us find practical ways this week to pay attention to Jesus, to practice being like Jesus, Help us to filter our opinions and all the messages we get bombarded with every day through Jesus. Help us to use our gifts for Jesus. And when we don't know what else to do, help us to get so close we could step on your sandals. In Jesus' name, amen.